Sarcoma Insight. Sarcoma Insight, this is our destination for education for both benign and malignant tumors. Welcome everyone to this episode of Sarcoma Insight. This is our first episode of the new year, 2022. Definitely odd having to write 2022 when I write dates now. You know, it takes a little bit of a month to transition. Um, yeah, how are you doing, Elise? Uh, good. Yeah, things have been good. Um, I don't know. I don't usually really make a whole lot of New Year's resolutions or anything, but I think the only the only real one I'm trying to do this year is I feel like sometimes I get into a slump of just cooking the same things. So I want to try to at least make some new recipe twice a month, you know, make it quantifiable and achievable. So for times when it can get busy uh, and especially you know, not having to cook for a lot of people, I think twice a month is a, is a reasonable goal. But, and I, I like cooking, so I feel like it'll be a way to get me excited about trying something new uh, once in a while throughout the year. How about yourself? Wow. I mean, that's pretty good. Um, I mean, we're not paid for any ads, but have you tried Freshy? I have not. So they send you like a different, a different meal and it's, it's like pretty prepped and you just have to prepare it and it's a different thing so well i would say that would go against (laughs) i would say that might go against my other uh uh kind of resolution i'm doing which is like trying to buy more local and (laughs) use less packaging but (laughs) but i know it's uh it's definitely convenient (laughs) conflicting resolutions here exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) but you know i um for resolutions, I mean, same thing as every year, you know, work out more, uh, be more healthy. Um, and uh, definitely one thing I'm adding this year, I, I, I need to learn how to swim. I don't know how to swim. Uh, so, yeah, I need to learn how to swim. And then I might plan on doing a, another um, marathon or half marathon. But Or a triathlon? <laughs> <laughs> well, start small, I guess. That can be next year's goal after you hit the learn how to swim goal first. <laughs> but um, I, again, we wanted to we we want to take this opportunity uh, to thank everyone for the support. Um, you know, the community that has, uh, has been growing and given us a lot of uh, positive feedback and just uh, overall feedbacks on how to be better. You know, make our episodes better. Um, because tumors are so uh, complex, uh, different uh, kinds of, of them, we sort of approach things by working on, you know, trying to get benign uh, tumors and then malignant as well. Uh, we have started with some bone tumors. We will switch over and give some soft tissue and then uh, try to make some bone as well. Uh, and and so that's really what we should be, we'll be looking out for in the next few episodes is going to be a combination of our soft tissue and bone tumors and sarcomas, uh, as well as continuing to include our patient stories, as well as our team members. Right. And speaking of which, our last episode, we had the opportunity to have a really nice conversation with pathologist, Dr. Erica Cow. Um, and so that was part of our series, introducing our listeners to the different members of the sarcoma care team and what their roles are uh, within that. So I think that was a, a great introduction to what that format is going to look like. And we look forward to having all the different types of members of the sarcoma care team uh, on our show going forward. For today's episode, we'll be talking about lipomas as well as a sort of a close family member of them. Atypical lipomatous tumors, uh, also known as well-differentiated liposarcomas. And so, simple question, what is a lipoma? 
Yeah, so the lipoma is it's a benign tumor. So we're back in our series talking about uh, benign types of tumors. This is a very common benign tumor that's made of fat cells or adipose. Um, and there's generally a surrounding capsule or fibrous tissue. This is generally very well encapsulated. So it's very distinct where the borders are of the tumor itself versus the uh, surrounding tissue. And this is a fairly common tumor, as mentioned, but it's probably underreported because usually people are asymptomatic, don't have a lot of issues related to this tumor being present. So they may not even know that it's there until it's uh, identified for uh, uh, seeing your physician for another reason. Um, but it's estimated to have an incidence of about 2.1 per 1,000 people. But again, this is probably underreported. And lipomas, they can occur in different locations, but oftentimes they're subcutaneous, which means that they're in the layer between the skin and the outer layer of the muscle. Um, But sometimes they can be deep as well. Uh, And even at times they can be within the muscle or intramuscular. Um, and then the other time, an atypical li- lipomatous tumor, ALT. Uh, Yuzu, do you want to maybe tell us a little bit more about that and how it differs from a lipoma? There's really a spectrum of fatty or lipomatous tumors. And sort of along those spectrum are, you know, the completely benign lipoma. And then progressively along that is the atypical lipomatous tumor, uh, at least in terms of presentation. The uh, a typical lipomatous tumor also can be called well-differentiated liposarcomas. Um, compared to the lipomas themselves, they are larger in size. <laughs> They're usually deeper. Uh, we do uh, treat them as a similar to a benign entity more than we would treat them as a frank sarcoma. And we'll continue. We'll talk more about this and the difference between lipomas, atypical lipomatous tumors. And on our next episode, when we talk about liposarcomas, frank liposarcomas, we'll also be bringing back some of these concepts as well. The key thing to know about atypical lipomatous tumors when compared to the simple lipomas are that they test positive for what's called MDM2. Uh, and this MDM2 uh, increased amplification in these cells lets us know that it's more of a typical lipomatous tumor than just a benign lipoma. So who would get diagnosed uh, with these lipomas and these fatty tumors? Uh, yeah, so that's a good question. Um, again, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record compared to some of our other episodes, but of course this can occur in anyone. This is incredibly common, but the average age is in the 40s to 60s, uh, 40, or 40 to 60 year old. And um uh, that would be kind of the the typical type of age range in which we would see uh, a patient who would present with a lipoma. They might notice a mass uh, that they hadn't noticed before, maybe because of weight loss or weight gain, and they suddenly feel a lump in a certain area or have an injury where they're suddenly feeling this a new area on their body and they notice this mass that's probably been there for a long time. Um, but again, some other reason has come up that has drawn their attention to this location. Um, There is a certain uh, type of tumor that's related to lipomas called hibernomas. These can happen in younger patients than those in which we would typically see a a lipoma. But overall, I'd say the takeaway is that the average age is in 
uh, the 40 to 60 year old patients. So relatively older middle-aged patients, I would say. Yeah. And I think you, so the weight loss thing is actually, I've seen that, I've seen that occur, uh, you know, quite a number of times. And once people lose weight, so, Hey, like there's this, there's this bump there um, that I've noticed. And usually when, when, the, when that does occur, um, you know, what people will have is a, you know, the mass itself is usually not painful. It's usually painless. Um, and then it's often mobile. So it, it will often move around or slide around, et cetera. Um, and it's not usually problematic unless um, once they start getting larger in size. So more of a typical lipomatous tumor or if the lipoma or the mass is closer to neurovascular structures, um, then they can become very problematic. Uh, at least I know you you spoke about it occurring in you know in sort of a plethora of ages. W- what about in terms of locations in the body um, that these occur? Anywhere is possible, uh, just like any any tumor. But the most common locations in which we see this would be the back or the thigh, uh, as well as the extremities, the upper and lower limbs. So um, uh, th- this is something that. As you mentioned, so it'll be a mobile mass that you'll be able to discreetly feel with your hands um, as long as it's of a certain size. It's it's generally going to be pretty mobile, especially when it's in that subcutaneous region or close to the surface of the skin. Sometimes they can be diff- more difficult to feel when they're in a deeper area or deeper compartment, like within the muscle itself, unless it's quite large. Um but yeah, so those are those are some of the locations in which you would normally see it. And you already did a great job of, I think, summarizing what patients typically present to the office with in terms of complaints or symptoms. But what about what happens when they get to the office and maybe they had some imaging done that was ordered by their primary care provider before they come to see someone like us? What would that show and, and how would someone be able to make a diagnosis on on imaging studies that are done. Yes, and and probably something that happens often is when people get have these fatty tumors and get imaging studies, it it, it often would be when you look at the read and in the radiology read, they can say things like, you know, cannot rule out, you know, well differentiated liposarcoma which is, can be very scary uh, for patients. And so what we look for on these imaging studies um, are a couple of things. So, you know, we could, you know, often do an x-ray, but an x-ray uh, cannot really give us the soft tissue definition. And we've talked about this before. X-ray is really good in terms of giving us um, radio opacity or lucency. So being able to have areas of calcification or not. And in some rare cases, you can have um, lipomas or atypical lipomas that have been around for a while, they can start getting, you know, calcifications around the rim, et cetera. But you will often need advanced imaging when there's a fatty tumor, when there's a sizable tumor that's under the skin deep. Often advanced imaging is very helpful in being able to really identify what it is. CT scans can be helpful, but probably the best modality is an MRI for these lesions. And the reason is because I look at the MRI the tumor itself will have the same consistency and a similar appearance as the patient's normal fat. And so that really is what will guide us and leading us towards being consistent with a benign lesion. Along with that, the masses are often well-defined or well-demarcated. 
So you can tell where it starts and it ends. And this is something that is pretty consistent, you know, across many of many of the benign lesions. Uh, and the so what you see on the MRI is that it, like the fat cells will be it will have a high signal on T1 on the T1 image. Um, and so once you start to see that and you know combine it with the history and the presentation, and then we start to be able to get our diagnosis um, and go from there. And now you know I think what a lot of people do worry about, you know, is, you know, can these become, you know, in any ways, can lipomas, you know, morph into, you know, something that's malignant or um, can atypical lipomatous tumors, uh, can they be malignant uh, or uh, another way to put it, can they metastasize anywhere else and cause problems for the patient? Right. And that's a, a great question. And I'm sure one that is of the highest concern to our patients when they're coming to see us or, or another provider for um, evaluation of a new newly identified mass. Um, and I will answer that, but I just briefly wanted to touch on a point that you brought up that I think was great. Um, mentioning that on MRI, a lipoma will be very, very homogeneous and look like normal fat. And I think a, a keyword that is helpful there's any trainees listening in particular, it's always referred to usually as being <clears throat> iso-intense to normal fat on all sequences. So there's a lot of different sequences of an MRI that are used in order to uh, determine what a mass could be and what, what sort of uh, components make up that mass. And so that's, that's what you'll always hear is a, ISO intense to normal fat on all sequences. So every single image looks, it looks the same as normal fat. And that's very reassuring to us and to the radiologists. I don't know if you had anything else to expand on. Yes. I mean, probably the only expansion to that is that we will definitely be having a radiologists, musculoskeletal radiologists on an episode uh, in the near future um, to even further elucidate uh, and explain you know, the different things that we look for on imaging findings for tumors, uh, benign and malignant. Right. And we are looking forward to that. And back to your very important question. So can lipomas or ALTs, atypical lipomatous tumors, become malignant or transform? Can they metastasize? Uh, I think that's a really great question. So lipomas, we would say, are strictly benign. So do not have a malignant potential or metastatic potential. But ALTs, as you mentioned, they're sometimes called well-differentiated liposarcomas, which that's scary because it has the word sarcoma in it. Um, and generally this term is used when it's in a specific location, such as in the, in the trunk um, or retroperitoneal space, whereas it's called an ALT more commonly when it's in the extremities. But those, they're, we still treat them pretty similar to a benign process because that risk is so low, but there still is a small risk of a malignant transformation. And we believe that to be less than 1% um, risk for metastasis. The biggest thing we worry about with these tumors is, is recurrence. Um, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later, um, but we can start to touch on it now. But essentially, uh, ALTs, these generally recur kind of regardless of what we do, about 10% of the time is, is a good estimate. Um, 
But when it does re-recur, then there's a much higher risk for metastasis or dedifferentiation, as we would say, and transformation into a malignant process. Um, and so when it comes back a second time or more than a second time, then that's, that's when we get more concerned, but we do know that it has a high recurrence rate. Um, and just to summarize that again, it's about 10% is a pretty good estimate that I typically like to say to, to patients. I don't know if you, um, have other literature that you refer to for that, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's sort of, you know, what's believed is, you know, in, you know, in these patients, especially when they're um, deep and difficult, you know, places to get to, there's a chance that there's a chance of recurrence. And this is something that we all keep in mind and, and patients have to know as well. Uh, you know, along with that, I think, and, you know, we talk about liposarcomas and um, sort of, uh, you know, as part of the thing that we worry about with these, you know, and so the differential diagnosis along with that. So other potential things that we would be looking for if there was a fatty tumor of some sorts uh, within the soft tissue, whether it be superficial or deep, we want to make sure that we're ruling out liposarcomas, frank liposarcomas, or uh, as well as other soft tissue sarcomas. And so in that light, what are your thoughts on interventions for uh, patients who present with these? Are you... Uh, expecting all of these to be removed or are all the patients supposed to get biopsies or not? And then what's the general treatment you would say for maybe a, just a localized disease? So present only in one area. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I would say that if you're pretty confident that it's a lipoma, just based on the imaging characteristics and uh, location and, and presentation that removal can be done without a biopsy, but generally this would be remo uh, reserved for smaller masses or ones where there's nothing on imaging that would make us concerned that this could be something other than just a simple uh, benign lipoma. But if there's concern that it could be, there's maybe an area that looks abnormal then that would be a situation where I would typically refer the patient for uh, a biopsy in order to make sure that we know exactly what this tumor is before we take it out. I think any time that there's a concern ultimately is, is kind of the take-home point there. Uh, a biopsy would, would be appropriate. No one would ever fault you for, for doing a biopsy ahead of time because the treatment would be very different if this is truly a soft tissue sarcoma or uh, as opposed to a benign process like a lipoma um, or, you know, low-grade or benign equivalent process like an ALT. Um, uh, it's a different kind of surgery that we would be offering to the patient in that situation. And so uh, a biopsy can be, can be helpful when there's any sort of uh, question that needs to be answered with it. Yeah, I, I agree. And and really, you know, when our treatment for a lot of these, uh, you know, the lipomas or even the atypical lipomas tumor is an excision um, that's not a wide excision. You know, you can go for a margin negative, but sometimes marginal 
um, for these. But really what you're doing is all of these specimens when taken out would need to be evaluated by pathology and will also be planned to undergo the uh, uh, fluorescent in situ hybridization evaluation for MDM2 levels. Uh, and so really um, the excision is important, especially when it starts to get larger or um, deeper or something that's symptomatic for the patient. And then, so just to confirm then for lipoma and ALT, uh, typically there's not any uh, adjuvant treatment that's offered or recommended for these patients. So these patients do not get sent for radiation therapy, uh, nor do they get sent for chemotherapy for lipoma and ALT. Um, right. So that is something that is not standard, uh, not done um, sort of across the board by everyone, but there is some debate about this, especially if it's a confirmed ALT in a difficult to reach area that might uh, be problematic if it was to recur. And some people do consider doing radiation prior to uh, the surgery with the hope or with the, well, prior to surgery with the plan that it would decrease the likelihood of a recurrence. So. Um, there's still some debate ongoing about this, um, but uh, something to keep in mind, um, and it's really practitioner dependent. Right. Yeah. And I know that you always mention at the end of uh, each episode, but it's always individualized and your your physician will talk to you about you know, different options available and um, pros and cons of them. Uh, and so kind of to well, move past the point of when a patient's had their treatment, let's say it's excision, um, what would be the surveillance after that? What would, what does life look like after diagnosis? Right. So once, it, you know, if someone does undergo an excisional process or if we, if we remove the tumor, there's not much else that needs to be done. You know, usually what you do is you follow along, you know, you can always, we always encourage patients to, you know, to check and be the advocates for themselves. So you can always examine yourself and feel it. Well, you know how it felt before. Is there something coming back? And so that's really what it would be, is be on the lookout for a recurrence. Um, and and it's, there's no standard follow-up imaging is done. So it's not standard to do repeat MRIs, you know, at six months or uh, any sort of chest imaging, like a CT scan of the chest at any point afterwards. But really the big thing is looking for local signs to the area that the tumor is coming back. Yeah. So follow-up will still be a part of the process, especially initially. Um, but I agree. I think focusing on the clinical exam is typically going to be the most important part here. And there may be some situations where uh, imaging would be helpful, again, depending on the location, if it's an area that's not easy to, to feel for recurrence, for, for whatever reason that might be. But, um, but in general, clinical exam is going to be the most helpful. Um, I think one of the last points to maybe mention, uh, along with lipomas, is the idea that there are some disorders that are associated with a higher risk of lipomas. Uh, do you want to maybe talk about that and how there's there are some different types of lipomas or lipoma-related uh, tumors that exist? Yes. Um, and so there are uh, quite a number. Uh, we'll just give you a few of them. So 
um, a lot of the lipomas are based on the morphology of the cells and so in uh, location. So sometimes you can have uh, patients with what's called a hibernoma, which is more common in the younger patients, with it, which is uh, which is more consistent with uh, what are called lipoblasts. So younger um, cells uh, along the cell line of differentiation of fat cells. Um, you can also have lipoma aberrescence, which is when the lipoma occurs around uh, the joint or within the joint. You could also have lipomas around the nerve. Uh, you can have um, lipomas, whether it be intermuscular or intramuscular. So it can be within a muscle or between muscles. Right? So all these things we keep in mind. And then uh, other symptoms, uh, and then lipomas can also be odore associated with other uh, diagnoses. So like multiple heredit hereditary lipomatosis uh, or other syndromes like Gardner syndrome and mad lung disease. With that, would you be able to um, give us maybe some salient points uh, or some takeaways for the episode at least? Yeah, absolutely. So I think... What we talked about today were lipomas and atypical lipomatous tumors, or ALTs, as you might have heard us abbreviate. Um, lipomas are benign, and ALTs are very low-grade and essentially treated like benign tumors. Very low, but uh, real potential for dedifferentiation or metastatic transformation, as we would say. Um, and also... I think the important thing to know about ALTs is that they do have a pretty high recurrence rate uh, at about 10%, even with surgical treatment. Um, and they're associated with MDM2, as you mentioned, that's identified uh, after looking at this under the microscope and doing some additional testing called fluorescent in situ hybridization, looking for that. Or a cool name is the fish, right? So, fish, yes. Yeah. We we have, we like to abbreviate a lot of things in medicine, so it's, uh, we use fish to look for that. And then, do you want to maybe mention another one or two points that we talked about today? Yes. Um, uh, not too much to add to these, uh, you know, these diagnoses as they're you know relatively benign, but they are very common, and that's something to that we need to take note of and uh, they can occur almost anywhere in the body i mean i've seen them you know anywhere from the back to the neck to you know the you know the thigh etc and that usually they're not something that we go after unless they become uh, either bothersome or symptomatic to the patient uh, and so those are those are things that I would say we need to keep in mind. Yeah. And this is kind of an aside and something we'll probably talk about in a later episode. But I would say this is one of the more common things that uh, people might assume is a mass when they go to excise something without imaging. And it turns out to be something maybe more dangerous. Um so uh, when we're talking about unplanned excisions of, of, of tumors, this is something that we, I would say, hear more commonly than some other things is that we thought it was a lipoma, went to take it out, and then found out later that it was something else. So it's this common, but you always need to be aware of some of the things to look out for that would make you worried that it is uh, 
not just a lipoma, because that's something you definitely need to do some additional evaluation for. And we'll 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 have a definitely an episode um, talking about some of those those warning signs in the future and how to avoid that situation. Yeah, and some of those things, just for listeners really quickly, are the size, so a larger size, something that's deeper, um, that, you know, something that's not mobile. You know, we talked about when you have a lipoma, they're relatively mobile, subcutaneous sometimes, even when they're deep, and you, if you can feel it, you can feel the mobility in them. So if you're feeling a mass that's not really mobile and it's stuck and um, it's not really sliding or it keeps increasing in size at a relatively quick rate, uh, these are all signs that would be concerning that, you know, some degree of advanced imaging needs to be done prior to any intervention is what I would say. Do you Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think those are some of the, what we'd call red flag signs that we'd want to do a little bit of more uh, investigation of before jumping to surgery. So great. Well, I think that was a really great overview and kind of a side discussion of, of things to look out for, but <laughs> I felt like it was uh, uh, related since it's <laughs> what I'm thinking about in terms of referrals that we get occasionally for quote lipomas. Yes. And with that, it is very important to note that every patient's case is unique and treatments for each diagnosis dependent on the discussion with your team of physicians. If you'd like more information, please feel free to check out our links on the episode description. We do try to pick out articles that are um, that review the topic in a relatively uh, understandable uh, and digestible manner. I uh, would like to thank you for listening to this episode of Sarcoma Insight. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram or Twitter. And for our next episode, we'll be talking about liposarcomas with uh, one of my favorite people, Dr. Peter Ferguson. Well, great. We're really excited to, to have another guest on the show. I think those are always really fun episodes to do when we, when we add another person to the team. So we're, we're definitely looking forward to that and hope everyone enjoyed today's episode. Sarcoma Insight.